Welcome to First Presbyterian Church in North Palm Beach, Florida. We exist to help people pursue and share gospel-driven lives. We hope whether you're investigating faith, a seasoned follower of Jesus, and anywhere in between, this podcast helps you connect with Jesus. Gracious God, we do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from your mouth. Make us hungry for this word today that it may nourish us in the ways of everlasting life. We pray this in the name of Jesus, the true bread of heaven. Amen. Friends, listen to God's word now, if you would, from Deuteronomy 8. This entire commandment that I command you today, you must diligently observe so that you may live and increase And go in and occupy the land that the Lord promised on oath to your ancestors. Remember the long way in the wilderness the Lord your God has led you these 40 years. In order to test you. Humbling you to know what was in your hearts. Whether or not you would keep his commandments. He humbled you by letting you hunger. Then, by feeding you with manna, which, which, with which neither you nor your ancestors were acquainted, in order to make you understand that one does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. The clothes on your back did not wear out, and your feet did not swell these 40 years. Know then in your hearts that as a parent disciplines a child, so the Lord your God disciplines you. Therefore, keep the commandments of the Lord by walking in his ways and by fearing him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of flowing streams, of underground springs and waters welling up in valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive trees and honey, where you may eat bread without scarcity and where you will lack nothing, a land whose stones are iron and from whose hills you may mine copper. You shall eat your fill and bless the Lord your God for the good land he is giving you. Take care. That you do not forget the Lord your God by failing to keep his commandments and statutes and ordinances, which I am commanding you today. When you have eaten your fill and built fine houses and live in them, and when your herds and flocks have multiplied, and when your silver and gold has multiplied, and when all you have is multiplied, then do not exalt yourselves. Forgetting the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, who led you through the great and terrible wilderness, an arid wasteland filled with poisonous snakes and scorpions. He made water flow for you from the flint rock and gave you manna from heaven that your ancestors did not know in order to humble you, to test you, and in the end, to do you good. Do not say to yourselves, it is by my power and the might of my hand 
that I've gotten this well. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, so as to keep his covenant that he swore to your ancestors as he is doing today. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In 1963, as you heard Joanna describe, a small group of people began meeting together and praying about starting a new church in the then growing and developing for the first time northern portion of Palm Beach County. That small group, which first began by renting space at a preschool down the street from our present location, was the very beginnings of First Presbyterian Church. As you leave the campus this morning, you can look to your right if you're driving out this driveway, see the rectangular building that we call Hawkins Hall, which made up the which made up the the sanctuary that they they eventually built when they built their own space in those days. And then you can can see physically the evolution and growth of the church as you look at the chapel and then this sanctuary that we sit in now. As we sit here now, six decades later, thousands and thousands of people's lives have been touched, transformed, helped, healed, by the good news of Jesus in this congregation. Millions of dollars have been given to serve neighbors around Palm Beach County and around the world in Jesus' name. Thousands of children have come through the preschool here. As we sit here today, we stand at the the edge between those 60 years, and the future that's ahead of us. We all know, as Joanna alluded to in the conversation that we listened to, that in 60 years, this area has changed quite a bit. The neighborhoods of North Palm Beach, Palm Beach Gardens, West Palm Beach, Jupiter, they've grown dramatically. The The amount of people who who love and follow Jesus who are a part of these neighborhoods has has fallen dramatically. We live in a changed and changing world from 60 years ago. We're at the stage of life in which uh, there's now only one person among us who remembers those very first days as a church community. And so I thought it would be fitting as we stand at at that crucial juncture right now, to take our cues from the teaching offered in the book of Deuteronomy to God's people as they stood on the border between a significant juncture in their past and and in their future. In the text that we heard today, we were listening to the words of Moses addressed to his own people, to the people of Israel. He had led them under God's direction and power as God emancipated them from a cruel existence as slaves under the thumb of the Egyptian empire through four long decades of wandering in the wilderness. And now, in this moment, they stand 
at a place called the Plains of Moab, which is, which is the border of the land that they're about to go and settle into to call their home. And so here, they're standing on the border, as it were, between their past and their future. So I want to in, invite you to simply bring with you your own life story and our story as a community as, as we listen to these words given to God's people at the border between their past and their future. Over and over again, both here in Deuteronomy 8 and in the chapters of the book of Deuteronomy that surround the text that we heard together this morning, Moses tells the people of Israel, remember, remember, take care that you don't forget. God's people, in other words, are to step into their future by remembering God's powerful faithfulness and his long story of grace to them in the past. So Moses says, remember that God brought you out of a cruel life as nobodies, as non-persons in the land of Egypt. Remember that God emancipated you from the house of slavery. Remember the long winding journey in the wilderness in which God accompanied you. Remember that God gave you water sprung from a rock. Remember that God fed you day by day by day with bread from the heavens. Remember that your clothes haven't worn out and you haven't worn through your shoes over the last four decades. Now, there's something fascinating happening as Moses shared these words. In the language this part of the Bible is originally written in, in Hebrew, every time Moses says you, God brought you out of the land of slavery, God led you through the wilderness over the last 40 years, he's using the second person plural. So we use the same word in English for singular and plural and such, but if, if we were translating the words of Moses, let's say in the idiom of the South, We'd, we'd translate his words something like, God brought all y'all out of the land of slavery. He led all y'all through the wilderness. He's saying, you all. But the fascinating thing is that the people that he's actually talking to, they would have been, some of them, small children, and most of them not even born yet, when the events that Moses has described is happening. But he's saying, because you're part of God's family, this is your story just as much as if you were physically present for it. Our word in English, remember, it literally means to join two things back together again, to remember. See, as, as we remember God's story of grace, his large story of grace to us and the world in Jesus. The story of his grace and provision and faithfulness to us as a church community. And God's story of grace in each of our own individual stories. As, as we do that, God's past of faithfulness and rescue and power and grace is joined to our here and now lives here in the present. So the invitation for us, wherever you are in your own story, is, is to live the next chapter of your story from that story of grace and faithfulness. 
I want to simply take a few moments in closing to help you think about what that means, both for, for you as a person in this and then for us as a community. First, if you're somebody who is a follower of Jesus, if, if you follow Jesus in your life, if your life has been, has been marked by the waters of baptism and the cross and resurrection of Jesus is the center of who you are, this is your story. Think about that. That long story of grace, that's your story. Just, just like the people who would have first heard these words, that story of God's dramatic rescue is true of you as well too. You were someone who was helpless and hopeless, who lived a life in the house of slavery to sin and death. God accomplished an exodus, a cosmic exodus for you and me and for the whole world by coming among us in Jesus. And Jesus living and dying and rising, God emancipated us from our slavery to darkness and violence and sin and death and made us new people, made us a part of God's own family. If you're a follower of Jesus, you, you live right now a journey of faith in God as well, day by day by day. If you're somebody who belongs to God, you listen to and follow his word. If you're a part of this community, week by week, when we come to worship together, we're we're nourished by the grace of Jesus, the true bread of heaven as we come to the Lord's table. You have ahead of you a future in a true promised land in which God promises us that thanks to the resurrection of Jesus, you and I and all of God's people and all of God's creation will be raised to a forever life with him in a healed new creation. This is your story. What that means practically is that what is most true about you in your own life is not the failures and shame that hide and lurk in your past. It's not whatever you have made of yourself or not made of yourself in the present. What is most deeply true about you is not your socioeconomic status, it's not the letters after your name, it's not your relationship status. Most, what's most true of you is not the anxiety that you feel about your future. What's most true of you is this story of grace. So you're, you're invited to live, to live from that story of grace, not all the other stories of failure and shame that we constantly tell ourselves. If you're somebody for whom you're, you're, you're with us, you've begun exploring Christian faith, you wouldn't call yourself a follower of Jesus, the invitation here is for this to become your story as well too. For, for this story of God's rescue to be the story that defines your own life. Yeah, I, I say that because I, I know simply interacting with, with some of you as you're, as you're processing Christian faith that, that on the one hand, you, you live lives that, that bear witness to the fact that, that this is a world that matters, just as the Christian story says. And on the other hand, you live inside of a story of life that says that there, there's no really transcendent meaning to, to anything. You know, this, 
This paradox came home to me reading a novel a, a couple of years ago when we were in the early quarantined months of 2020. I read a novel by a French writer named Albert Camus called The Plague. And it, it told, it was a fictional story that, that told the story of a, of a French Algerian city named Oran dealing with a plague that swept through its streets. And there's one particularly noble character in the story named Taru, who was a, a man who, who devoted himself to helping the ailing as the, as the town dealt with the plague. But he was somebody who was an atheist. He didn't believe in God or any transcendent meaning in life. And there's a fascinating moment near the end of the novel in which he's sitting at night on a rooftop and Oren looking out over the terraced skyline of the city. And he says to, he says to one of the other characters that he, what he's struggling with in life as he, as he tries to live what he calls the path of sympathy is how it is that one becomes a saint without God. I was struck by the, by the irony and the tragedy of that. On the one hand, here's this person who, who sees the value in, in living what he calls the path of sympathy and a life of care for other people. On the other hand, he realizes that, that his ultimate beliefs are telling him that, that none of it matters at the end of the day. Uh, friends, if you're, if you're somebody for whom that's the story you're living in, the good news of, of the Christian gospel is that you're your instinct that, that it matters whether you're stingy or generous. It matters whether you're cruel or kind. It matters whether you're, whether you're cold-hearted or sympathetic to the needs of the people around you. you. You have those instincts because you were made for a better story than the one you're living in. You were made by a God who, who made you to know and be known by him. So the invitation here is for, for this to become your story. And lastly, I'll say for, for us as a church community, we're committed to stepping forward into our future by remembering and living the story of God's grace to us in Jesus and in our church's own story over the last 60 years. So here's what that means for us, practically speaking. It means that if the good news of Jesus and if God's faithfulness to us as a church is at the center of who we are, We'd, we're going we're gonna to always, always have a lot of humility in the way that we look at ourselves. First Presbyterian Church has been blessed with, has been blessed with, with gifted, faithful, amazing pastors and leaders over the years. It's been blessed by many, many wise folks who've stewarded and led the life of the church. It's been graced by lots of generous people who've contributed to this church. But we are not where we are as a church because... We are, we are smarter or more godly or more faithful or more anything than anyone else. We are where we are because God is gracious. The end. And so we're going to always approach ourselves with a lot of humility. That also means we're going to approach ourselves with a lot of gratitude too. We have so much to be thankful for to God. I love how Joanna said that. This, this church is a miracle God has accomplished so many miracles in the lives of people over the years here. And we step into the future expecting that God will continue to walk with us and do that very thing. And so that means that we also approach our future with faith and trust in God. Has this area changed over the last 60 years? Absolutely. 
Are we willing to continue to change and adapt things about the life of the church to better love and serve our neighbors and extend the love of Jesus to people around Palm Beach and around the world? Absolutely, we're going to. Are we going to screw things up in the future? Absolutely, we're going to. Do we know what the future will hold for this church? No, we don't. But do we have a faithful God who walks with us? Yes, we do. So we can step into our future as a community with a lot of faith, with willingness to to take risks for the kingdom, with a lot of trust in God, because God has been so faithful to us over our own story. As I as I thought about today and thought about this text, I, uh, I was reminded of a, a bird that features in a lot of West African artwork called the Sankofa bird. Maybe you've seen this in, in artwork or museums or such. I, I brought an image of it so you can see it for yourself. Uh, this is a bird that's featured often in West African artwork. And it's always depicted with its feet pointed forward because the, boor, the bird is, is, is moving forward. It's depicted in flight. But its head is turned backwards and it's holding in its, in its backwards turned head a, a small egg. And the, the point of the depiction of the Sankofa bird is that it's supposed to be a picture of our need to remember and learn from our past in order to move into our future. The bird flies forward by remembering where it's come from. That's true for us as well, too. We step into our future because we have this whole story of God's grace and power and faithfulness to us in Jesus that attends us in our past. That's true for your life, it's true for mine, and it's true for us as a community. So, First Presbyterian Church, may, may you remember well, may you look back well at God's grace and faithfulness and power as we step forward together. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for joining us at FPC. For more info and to connect with us, check out www.firstpresnpb.org.